Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Well, hello and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show designed to help you attain a healthier lifestyle. After all, as I've often said, your health is your wealth, and I'm hell-bent on helping you keep it. I am your host, Diane A. Thompson, M.D., and as always, it is my pleasure spending 30 minutes with you, and I hope that you walk away with at least one piece of information that will take your health to a higher level. I am so thankful for tonight's show. Uh, this show was actually chosen as a staff pick. I also want to remind you that the information presented in this broadcast is for educational purposes only. Seek the advice of your health care provider before making any changes to your health. Tonight I have an amazing show for you, one in which the majority of you may find some benefit. I've done shows on diabetes, on high blood pressure, heart disease, and some of you will say, I listen to the show, but this doesn't apply to me. I don't have that problem. Uh, tonight is one of those topics that is almost universal. Uh, so it's, it's unlikely that you're not affected. Let me share the stats with you. When we talk about obesity in America, about a third of Americans are overweight, another third obese. Combined, the stats says about 68.8% of Americans are either overweight or obese. And there's more. Obesity is a contributing factor in about five of the ten causes of death in this country. We're talking about heart disease and cancer and stroke and diabetes and kidney disease. And we've seen that losing as little as 5 to 7% of your weight can actually lower your blood pressure, can improve blood sugar levels, and even lower diabetes by nearly 60% in people with prediabetes. And this is not a problem of just adults. We know that our children are overweight. We have children that are increasingly being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. This was a, a disease of adults years ago. And, in fact, it's predicted that one in three children born in 2000 will go on to develop type 2 diabetes sometime in their life. And we also see that overweight children many times will go on to become overweight adults. So that's the bad news. Now, imagine there is a diet that lets you eat what you want with no food or food groups off limits. Imagine a diet that works without drugs or you don't even have to exercise. Can you imagine a diet that lets you eat until you are full? one that does not require measuring foods or keeping track of points? How about a diet that's so easy to keep that you stick with it, even after you've lost the weight that you wanted to lose, so that the pounds actually stay off? Well, on tonight's show, I have information on such a diet, and I have it from the creator of the diet and the author of the book, Fast Five Diet and Fast Five Lifestyle. Dr. Bert Heron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on your show. Now, I, uh, and I mentioned this to you earlier, I have known of your work for at least 10 years now. 
when I mentioned this information to a few people, this was they didn't know a lot about this particular uh, diet and lifestyle. And I remembered, I, I hope uh, your wife doesn't mind me mentioning this, but she was my boss back in 2003. And back then I was a nurse practitioner. This was before I went to medical school. And I remember that she ate a little differently than the rest of us. <laughs> when we would have breakfast, there were lunch, I just noticed her eating habits were different. And I distinctly remember asking her about it, and she told me about this diet and lifestyle that you had created. So it's really amazing that we're talking about it 10 years later. So I, I'm really, um, really excited to have you. So I'm going to have you share with our listeners a little bit about your background. I find it very interesting. Okay, well, uh, my medical training started at, at the Texas A&M College of Medicine, and then after that I um, went to pay back my Navy scholarship. So I was an intern in the Navy uh, for a year and then went to um, the Navy Fleet Service and the Marines are in the Department of the Navy, so my assignment was to deploy with the Marines. And so for three years, I was uh, basically a general practitioner for the Marine Infantry Battalions. And that was a, a lot of healthy guys who had mostly sports injuries. And so it was kind of a, a unusual practice, but it allowed me to see lots of the world, including Japan and uh, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and uh, learned learned a lot at the time, and from there I went to do a uh, clinical associate uh, piece of work at um, National Institutes of Health and in, in the National Cancer Institute because I really wanted to be able to uh, work on problems that were affecting lots of people rather than seeing uh, patients one by one. And uh, cancer was one of those. Uh, things that I could work on, and so that's what I did for a few years. And it was at that time that I sort of accidentally um, started working on this solution, and that was just to get myself more time um, between my kid uh, drop-off and pick-up at the child care center so that I could get more work done at NIH. I just stopped uh, eating lunch, and when I skipped breakfast, I realized, that I wasn't as hungry during the day as I had been when I ate breakfast. So I gave it a, a, an experimental try, did it a couple more times, and found out that I was even less hungry and felt better during the day than I had been before. And after keeping that up for a while, I noticed the weight that I had gained since leaving the Marine Corps job, uh, which had by that time was about 20 pounds, it was going away, and I wasn't even trying. And so I thought of it was my little quirk and just kept it up and got rid of the weight. It took about 20 weeks, so it was about a pound per week. And it was so easy that I just kept it up when I was done and never uh, had to worry about gaining the weight. And eventually I did go back to being three meals a day, and surprise, surprise, the weight came back. So after doing this a couple of times, I made it a lifestyle, and that's the way I still eat today. Mm. So so one of the things I notice is you'll mention the Fast Five diet, and there's also a mention of the Fast Five lifestyle. How, how, does that, how are they different? Well, the Fast Five diet consists of restricting 
food intake to a five-hour window during the day. And the person chooses which five-hour window that is. And it doesn't mean eating for five hours straight. It means having that be the time when it's okay for you to eat. And so in in my case, it's 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. So during that five-hour window, that's when I eat whatever I choose, as much as I choose. And then after the window's closed, it's just not okay for me to eat anymore, and I don't. And so the diet comes down to that five-word phrase, eat within five consecutive hours. And if you take that simple rule and, and make a window that suits your lifestyle, then that's what I would call a five-hour diet. A lot of people don't even like to call it a diet because it doesn't say what foods you eat and or how much. What is going to tell you how much to eat is your appetite. And that's the cool part about this diet is that the, the longer fasting interval of, of 19 hours every day somehow allows the appetite center in the brain to adjust itself so that instead of eating too much, you eat just the right amount. And if somebody is carrying around a lot of extra fuel, the, the appetite center detects that and drops the appetite down below what's required to maintain an even weight by about 500 calories per day. 500 calories per day every day adds up to 3,500 calories a week, which is about a pound per week. So the math checks out. But the key is that it's acting through appetite so a person does not want to eat. They are not trying not to eat on this this approach. They are um, not driven to eat anymore by their appetite center. And if you look around the, the, the world, all the animals don't have a problem with weight gain. They eat the right amount. Their appetite centers are working just fine to keep them at the right amount of, of fat on their bodies. So they have a little bit of a reserve in case they have to go a long time without eating, but not so much that they're encumbered by their own weight and carrying around their own body weight in extra fuel in the form of fat, which um, that's the point. Fat is stored fuel. So the lifestyle is just taking this approach, this schedule, and maintaining it indefinitely. And that's that's, uh, a way to maintain one's weight without having to count, without having to worry. You exercise as much as you want to, and I encourage it because it is a healthy uh, healthy thing to do, but there's no set amount of exercise that's required because your appetite center automatically adjusts for that and gets you to eat the right amount. And this is good that you said that because I've often noticed that when I don't eat breakfast, actually my appetite is, is somewhat suppressed. When I eat breakfast, I tend to be hungry, you know, by the time lunchtime rolls around. So I, I definitely think there's something to what you're saying about not eating and that the appetite automatically becomes suppressed. Are you ready to take control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Join us for Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Atlanta's incredible radio, AM 1570 WIGO or listen live stream at WIGOAM.com. One of the things I wonder, and before we get into the specifics of the different stages of the diet, let's talk about some of the things that you, you define and explain. For example, 
you talk about the difference between limbic hunger and somatic hunger. I know a lot of people are probably not familiar with that. So can you please uh, define that and tell us how does that affect our ability to take in food or to lose weight? Well, when I was 20 pounds heavy, I was conscious of this weight, and I was realizing that there were times when I would eat something, and my belly was not sending me in any hunger signals. And so I kind of thought about that and said, what's going on here? I am getting food from someplace and putting it in my body, even though I know I've got plenty of extra in the form of fat, and I'm not feeling any hunger pain. So what's going on here? Well, I, I realized that it is part of our body's natural programming to eat when there's food available. Thousands of years ago, if we didn't eat a little bit of extra at the time when the food was available, we might not have enough fuel on our bodies to survive when the fuel wasn't available. So it made sense that, that when food is available, our bodies get the signal, okay, let's eat, eat, eat what we can because we don't know where the next meal is coming from. That was thousands of year, years ago. Nowadays, we pretty much know where the next meal is coming from. And so we don't have to respond so much to that, that hunger signal that says, eat extra, and that's what the limbic hunger is. The somatic hunger is what I call the the, pain, the hunger pains that we actually feel when um, usually it's when mealtime rolls around, whether whether we need it or not, the clock ticking in our bodies will, will set off this uh, feeling of um, discomfort in our bellies that say, oh, it's time to eat something. So even if we've got plenty of fuel on board stored already, it will say, oh, you ate... Yesterday at this time, why aren't we eating today? So it reminds you with some hunger pains, and that's what I call somatic hunger. Somatic means it has to do with the body, and the limp hunger has to do with the brain. So how do they then, you know, is it that by habit we tend to listen to the limbic hunger? You know, it's, it's meal time, so we automatically feel that we have to put something in our mouth, and so maybe we need to change that programming so that we're not eating unnecessarily. Right. And by having the, the clock time as a reminder that it's either okay or not okay to eat, we don't give our bodies that decision of, well, how much? How many? Should I eat five potato chips or ten? Or that We don't give our bodies that choice when the clock says it's not time to eat. And so having a, a time when it is okay and a time when it's not okay makes the decision-making so simple that it doesn't even rise to our heads and pose the question, well, should I get them to eat or should I eat that? It's as simple as saying, what time is it? Yes or no? Uh-huh. Is it eating time or not eating time? And so for a lot of people that has really simplified the the question of, uh, well, there's, there's a donut there. Am I going to eat it or not? And if they can look at the clock, instead of asking themselves that question, they'll know the answer. And if it's in, within their window, the donut's fine. If it's not, then they tell their bodies no, and they move on. And it's surprisingly easy after you get used to it. In fact, one of the reasons that I knew I was onto something special here was when I sat through a movie next to my daughter while she had a container of popcorn, and I didn't have the urge to reach over and get a handful because it wasn't within the window. And it can be that powerful. And that's why in 2005, my wife and I decided this was worth sharing. And so we took what you saw 
2003 and put it together in a little book and website and um, been sharing it ever since. And, and that is wonderful because I think so many people could benefit from that. If you're just joining us, um, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. On the show tonight, I have Dr. Bert Heron, who's talking about the Fast Five diet and lifestyle. And this is a, a great way for you to lose some of that weight and keep it off permanently. Now, another question I have for you, you know, is the title is Fast Five. And I definitely know that for some people, when they think of fasting, they think of being hungry all day, they think of denying themselves of things and restricting certain foods. So how do you get around explaining to people that this is actually a a good diet, a good lifestyle, and they're not really going to restrict themselves the way they're thinking? First, writing this, this book, I wanted to avoid the use of the word fast for just the reason that you described, because it sounds like people going out in the desert and not eating for a long time, out of choice, out of some self-denial process. But even though we've got lots and lots of words for for eating, we can gobble this or consume that or wolf that down, there aren't many words in our language that talk about not eating. The only one there is is fasting. And so I eventually that I had to use the word even though it wasn't my preference and didn't feel like it represented the lifestyle very well because rather than holding yourself back, the fast five diet and similar diets that involve intermittent fasting all are able to set people free. They're able to set them free from the the weight that they're carrying, which can be a a physical burden, it can be a social burden, it can be a, a mental burden, and anything that's successful in, in getting rid of that excess is really a, an uplifting and, and freeing experience. And so even though it, it has that connotation of being austere and, and difficult, once somebody is through the adjustment phase of, of this, uh, it is freeing. It is, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word fun, but... It's about as fun as it can be because you get to eat what you want. You, you're making progress. It feels good. Your body feels strong. The weight starts to go away, and it's just it's good stuff. And so we've got to stop looking at fasting as being self-denial, but seeing it as a way to uh, be free and happy and get the, the health that you want. You mentioned at the opening of the show that health is wealth. And it's certainly a, a very good point because we cannot enjoy any wealth if we don't have health. And people who may have a billion dollars but are feeling like they're sick all the time are not going to be having a, as good a life as somebody who's got much more modest means and has great health and is having a good time. And th- what I can equate the feeling that you get when you adjust to this kind of diet um, this is, is not fasting for 40 days. This is just lengthening the interval between meals by a few hours. That's not very extreme. And so what it's like is when you drive your car, if you're running, if the tank's running on empty, you're interested in, in seeing any gas station you can find. But if your tank is full, how interesting is that gas station when you drive by it? It's not interesting at all. You don't even notice it. And the, the appetite... It's the same when running on the fast-five diet. It's like you've got your long-range tank started, 
So that donut, that extra uh, meal in the day, it just doesn't interest you anymore because your body is running on, on its own fuel and doesn't need it and somehow can influence the appetite center to let you know that. Are you ready to take control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Join us for Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Atlanta's incredible radio, AM 1570 WIGO, or listen live stream at WIGOAM.com. Okay, we have a... We have a, a couple of callers on the line. I am going to go ahead and take a call right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, caller. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I have a question for the doctor, for Dr. Herring. Uh, for someone with diabetes, say, taking med- medications like glucophage, knowing that they're fasting at all, um, how does this affect, how will this affect them? And do, is there any kind of alterations you have as far as the diet is concerned? I, I would not recommend somebody um, doing this diet without some assistance for their physician if they're taking any kind of medicine like that because that medicine is scheduled based on a certain intake of food and a certain schedule. The same applies to somebody who's taking insulin. And so it does have to be adjusted because um, the good news is that you may eventually be able to get rid of it. Um, whoever's taking the medicine may eventually be able to get rid of it because of the beneficial effects that this has and the uh, the good weight loss effect that it has. But in in the meantime and in the process of adapting to it and, and getting started on it, it does need some careful adjustment. And so for that, for anybody who's taking medicine for diabetes, I think it's a, a good option, but it needs to only be explored with some uh, assistance from the physician. Okay, Okay. thank you so much for your call, caller. Thank you. Okay. We're going to go ahead and take another call before we move on to the next section. I am going to be taking a call from um, a caller with area code 202. Your mic is open. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Dr. Herring, you mentioned earlier that you thought it was a good idea to exercise with the diet. Uh, I lift weights and run five miles each day, uh, and I feel lightheaded after um, the exercise, so I feel like I need to eat something. So what would you recommend I do? Well, first of all, if you're, are you trying to lose weight? Yes. Okay. So um, the... The number of fat cells in your body is in the trillions, and each one of them can provide fuel. It can take them some time to be able to to supply that fuel, but with training, they are able to to get their enzymes drived up to be able to supply a lot of fuel. And so uh, people who have uh, been more interested in physical fitness aspects have turned to fasting as well. And, in fact, when I mentioned intermittent fasting a while ago, there are other people who have basically come to the same conclusion I did and said, hey, this is good stuff. One of them is Martin Beckham, and he has a program called Lean Gains that is oriented toward fitness and bodybuilding. And so it's almost the same thing. He he uses an eight-hour window, I believe, instead of five. And and he came to it independently. And so... uh, he is um, promoting it 
similarly just as a, a good tool. And his is oriented to fitness, and people who are uh, using it in that way are not finding any uh, limitations. Now, everybody is different. Everybody may have some different adjustments. They may need a bigger, a wider window. They may need to um, change their, their the ratio of carbs and fat that they eat. But it's not limiting in terms of its ability to supply enough fuel. Remember that about 20% of your body, uh, more if you're probably more if you're trying to lose weight, is fat, and that adds up to a whole lot of calories that are available to be burned. But your body may not be used to putting them to good use until it has had a chance to do that through some longer fasting intervals. Okay. So Thank you so much recommend- for your call, caller. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So those are all uh, good questions. Um, one thing I, I wanted to go back and, and ask you, um, you know, this whole idea of delaying eating until later. We, we're brought up in a culture that says, you know, breakfast is the first meal of the day. It's usually associated with early morning. In fact, I've seen many um, health providers who will say, you can't start your day without breakfast. It's, it's so important and, and so forth. So, you know, here's a, a diet that essentially says we're delaying when we eat. So how, you know, how does a person who believe the whole idea of early morning breakfast, how are they able to, you know, participate in this diet and somehow make it make sense? Well, one option is to have a, a morning window. If somebody's a really big fan of breakfast, they can have a morning window. And uh, breakfast is an America, apparently a very social part of life in, in Thailand, and when this diet, which has spread around around the world through the Internet, uh, was growing in Thailand, and it's been translated into to Thai, I found out that uh, the typical uh, window is in the morning, and it's very consistent with the Buddhist tradition of having a, a morning meal and then fast for the remainder of the day. So if somebody's really a fan of, of eating in the morning, then it can still work. An alternative is to have breakfast foods, like eggs, sausage, whatever kinds of uh, food that you're a fan of, have those for dinner, and that that works too. What what I found out when I started researching this was how huge an impact marketing and advertising have had on our sense of what's healthy and what's not. Uh, one example is the American Breakfast Council, which sounds like a very healthy mom and apple pie kind of organization is actually an agency of the state of Florida, and their job is to sell orange juice. And so what they do is push breakfast because that's when people eat orange juice. And so if you start digging, you find that there is no science behind the claim that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. The only people for whom breakfast is the most important meal of the day are the people selling breakfast. There are a lot of There are a lot of kids out there for whom breakfast served in schools is the only decent meal that they get. And so there are a couple of studies that show that for in those populations, yeah, it's an important thing because that's all they get that's uh, of good nutritional quality. And so that kind of data can sort of be slanted to argue for people to eat breakfast even when they don't really need it. And so if, if somebody's lean, as lean as they want to be, and they're eating breakfast, I have no problem with that. They should keep on doing what they're doing. 
But if they're having trouble losing weight, then that's one of the first things they can do is to either start pushing back their breakfast so they get a longer interval of fasting from their from when they've eaten the night before, or they can drop the meal entirely, or it, there's lots of ways to start. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is a physician, writer, speaker, and radio host of the popular syndicated show, Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. You may also listen to her live on Atlanta Broadcasting Network, 1570 AM WIGO, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To contact Dr. Diane A. Thompson, go to her website and sign up for updates at drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thompson. Now back to our show. Another question I have for you, you explained that on average about a pound a week is what uh, someone can expect, but at what point um, in the diet does one start to see some changes? What, what I usually recommend is for people to take three weeks to just get used to the diet because people get a little bit intimidated by the thought that they're going to go the whole next day for some, some period without eating. That's a little bit scary until, until you've tried it and then, and get used to it and find that it's really not a big deal at all. But for that for that first three weeks, I think adjustment is the goal. You don't even want to look at the scale. You don't want to look at, at um, how tight your, your belt is or anything. You just worry about making the transition to get your long-range tanks going so your fat can be the main supplier of fuel for your body. And so three weeks is when the weight loss starts to, to kick in at a pound per week. And then after that, it's uh, it's like clockwork. It's steady, 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 and it may bump up and down a little bit, but the average for most people over the long term runs out to be almost exactly a pound per week. That may not seem like much because you see all the, the tabloids in the second aisle of the grocery saying lose 50 pounds by Memorial Day or something like that, and those just, that's not possible. You can't do that, uh, not without surgery anyway, and uh, so losing a pound per week may start out slow and it may be frustrating at first, but 52 pounds a year, people have lost over 100 pounds on this diet, and it can really work for people. And you have to think, you didn't gain the weight that fast. The gain took years to gain it. And so your body's going to need, need some time to, to lose it as well. And if somebody wants to see some uh, real-life examples of this, there's a Facebook group uh, for fast fibers with over 1,000 members in it. And there's a link to it on our website, which is fast five s a f a s t f i v e dot org. So I'd be happy to let you see more on the website and on the Facebook group. And I'll make sure that your Facebook group as well as the website is also listed on my page, so people can have access to that. And your book, you you go on to talk about the different steps that are involved in the diet. And another thing you cover really nicely, aside from the frequently asked questions, you cover possible problems and solutions that people may have. So I definitely uh, encourage people to go ahead and get this book. Um, and this is a lifestyle I, that actually works. Go ahead. If I, if I may interrupt, Diane, the, the book is available as a free download on the website. The, the paper I, I book saw that, and I wondered about that. Yeah, it's it's free, and if you want the paper version, that's going to cost nine ninety five, I think it is at Amazon. Um, but the what you're talking about, the book, if somebody just wants to read it online, then they can do so for free. 
which I thought was amazing because I saw that and I thought, this is not a way to make money, you know, <laughs> well, by making the book not. available for free. Well, even uh, the books that Amazon sells, we don't make much, um, much more than cost on that. But when a diet comes down to just a lack of information that I happen to stumble upon, and when it's so simple that you can put it into the five words of eat within five consecutive hours, you've seen the book. It's only about 58 pages long. There's just not right. that much to it. And so I don't think that with people having paid taxes into all this research that I drew on for the book, that it's necessary to um, make it a financial enterprise. And that's that's something that my wife and I talked about when we started this. And we said, you know, well, we may not make a dime doing this, but it's still been worthwhile and we wouldn't change a thing. That is, uh, that is really noble, and uh, I, I really hope a lot of people go out and get this book because that's, that's wonderful. And this actually works. I know it works, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. But I did want to ask you, um, one of the, the things I like to do on this show is I like to share a health tip with our listeners. And so I, I wonder if uh, someone is about to embark on this uh, diet and lifestyle, uh, on the outset, it may seem like a challenging thing because now they're going to have to change things uh, from the way they ate previously. What would you suggest to them to, uh, you know, offer uh, as much success as possible in attaining the weight loss they want? Well, this, this came about from a process that I call a study of one, and that means looking at your life, everybody's life is different. With different stresses, different people, different foods, and so nothing is going to apply exactly the same all over the world. And so doing the study of one, what I mean is you look at yourself and you look at what you're doing and you follow the things that you can. Most people can, can find out what their blood pressure is. They can find out what their waist measurement is. They can find out what their weight is. And if they follow those three things and check themselves after a few weeks of doing something. It doesn't have to be this diet. It can be any diet. If they check themselves after three weeks, which is time enough to get it started, and see where they are, give it another month, see where they are, they start advocating based on points that represent themselves and not some study that's published in some journal somewhere that doesn't was done on people who are caged like lab rats in a, in a hospital somewhere. This is what applies to them. And so what I would encourage people to do is to do their own experiment on their own body, try this or try something else, give it enough time to work. That means given for any diet, it needs to be six weeks, eight weeks long, to be sure that you can sustain it and give it time to, to have its effect. And if it's not working, then you need to change something. If it is working, then you can say steady she goes and power on. That is excellent advice. So let me tell you my quick story with this. I sort of was practicing this diet without even intending on doing so. And about a month ago, I went to my doctor and I said, I have lost this weight, about 10 pounds. Uh, this was over about a seven-week period. And I thought for sure something was wrong. So I went and I demanded all these tests to be done. I won't tell you all the tests that I end up having done because I thought something was wrong with me. And then it wasn't until after all the tests came back and I was talking with the doctor that I realized I was on the consult service at work and it was so busy that I generally don't eat breakfast. 
and it was so busy that I didn't have lunch. By the time I was done working, it's about 5, 6 p.m., and I'd just come home, and then I'd eat dinner. And I was doing this for about six or seven weeks and lost, was just losing weight, and I kept saying to my doctor, I'm not doing anything differently. I'm not sure what it is. And so it wasn't until afterwards I realized it was, I was actually restricting the times I ate because I was so busy, and there I was losing weight without realizing it. So I know this works. <laughs> it, it is fantastically powerful, and that's, that's why it's this wonderful thing for us to, to be able to, um, you know, give this away because it, it can change somebody's life in a way that um, all the all the medicines in the world can't, and that get, I'm a big fan of getting people off of medicines, and this is one of those things that can can help do that. So I'm glad you had that same kind of experience. It's the same same kind of thing, the accidental the accident observed that led to something that actually can work for people. Uh, this is this is really amazing. Please remind our listeners how they can get a hold of you or your information or your book. Okay, the website is www.fastfive.org, and the Facebook group is facebook.com/groups/fast5.org. Spelled out the same way: f-a-s-t-f-i-v-e.org. And once again, I, I truly want to thank you for coming on this show. I know that so many people out there are looking for ways to lose the weight. And as I mentioned earlier, being overweight, being, overbe- being obese puts you at risk for so many other diseases. And people are so frustrated. They've tried things that even if they lose a few pounds, it's not lasting. And this is mm-hmm. something that's shown to be lasting. So I'm really, really thankful that you're here to share this information and will continue to promote this information because we really want to keep people healthy. So thank That's you so much goal. for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you You're for welcome. coming thank on the show. All right. Have thank a great coming. evening. Okay. Bye. Good night, everyone. So if you've been listening to the show, that was uh, Dr. Bert Heron. I thank him so much for coming on the show and sharing that information on the Fast Five lifestyle, the Fast Five diet, a great way to help you lose that weight. And like I said, by accident, I actually found that this thing actually works. So uh, go out there, research it. I will make sure uh, the information is also on my Facebook page so you can get to his website because this is an important thing. Your, your health is really, really important. So I thank him for coming on the show once again. I want to ask you to join me next week. Uh, So until then, I ask of you to have a fabulous evening. I encourage you to decide to let no one steal your joy this week. And remember, as I've often said, your health is your wealth. So have a great evening, everyone. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.